Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. We've got a lot to cover since our last update. Some big Yang news, big unrest in Canada, COVID, SpaceX, EVs. Oh my, let's get rolling. Quick shout out to our Tier 3 patrons, Shay Meehan and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. Starting off with good news, the International Energy Agency, or IEA, reports that global electric vehicle sales more than doubled in 2021 from 4% of all car sales to 8.6%. The exponential growth continues and accelerates. Now that is counting hybrids as well, but still, IEA notes that all net growth in 2021 car sales was EVs. Trends do not get more clear than that. Speaking of, remember how Biden's been running free EVPR for GM and Ford while ignoring Tesla? Well, GM just hired Missy Owens to head their Environment, Sustainability, and Governance Policy Division. Who is Missy Owens? Uh, Biden's niece. Yeah. Continuously related news, SpaceX just gave a presentation for the unveiling of their new launch platform and provided some incredible projections which make clear why everyone should care about their work. They've been operating with the Raptor shuttle thus far, but are close to launching their new gigantic spaceship called Starship. Why does this matter? Well, Starship is expected to soon be launching three times a week with its massive payload capacity at that rate it can deliver more tonnage to orbit than has been done in all of human history in its first year. That is from a single Starship. SpaceX plans to quickly ramp to producing a Starship every three days. In short, we are about to go from snail mail to email in terms of the rate at which we can deliver people and materials to space. This is exactly what is needed to make large-scale human habitation on the Moon and Mars possible as well as industrial space stations, space solar projects, etc., we are entering the space age for real right now. The sky is no longer the limit. Back to Earth, at this point you've likely heard about the trucker convoy controversy in Canada, where a large group of truckers are protesting vaccine mandates which require vaccination to re-enter the country. It's become quite the standoff and is naturally a big hit with anti-mandate and anti-vax groups in the U.S., it's a complicated situation as the protesters have been quite peaceful but are also illegally blocking major trade routes, harming not just local businesses but international shipping, which is only exacerbating global supply shortages. The Canadian public are overwhelmingly against the protest, according to polls, and the government is moving to dislodge them. Thus far, they've mostly refrained from physical force, but the methods they're using in place of those may actually be worse. Trudeau's administration just announced that they will be invoking specific emergency powers for the first time in Canadian history and expanding the authority of financial institutions to suspend accounts of those suspected of being involved in illegal activity without need of a court order. This includes banks, crowdfunding sites, and crypto exchanges, and is part of an anti-terrorism law. Obviously, the idea is to starve the protesters of funding in order to avoid the need to clear them out by force. However, allowing institutions to cut off anyone simply suspected of being involved 
without due process is fairly alarming, very reminiscent of the Patriot Act. It's easy to see how this could be abused against even law-abiding citizens. Otherwise, it's easy to see both sides of this issue. It's hard to protest effectively without disrupting commerce, but governments also cannot ignore massive disruptions to the economy or change laws unilaterally in response to a protest. That is what representative voting is for. And do you favor force or financial pressure? I don't know that there are good answers, but I would categorize this execution as an overstep and something that all countries should be cautious of. As Yang said on his recent podcast episode, expect to see such protests spill over to the U.S. When they do, we will need better solutions. While we're on COVID, UK ONS data is showing that COVID's infection fatality rate, meaning the average probability of dying if you catch the virus, has declined to less than double that of the flu. That is great news. However, as we discussed before, this is balanced by a much higher infection rate, leaving the overall death toll relatively similar. Here in Washington, they just dropped a lot of mask and vaccine requirements because hospitalizations have dropped 30% from their peak. That doesn't mean they're low, though. For perspective, the COVID death toll in the U.S. is around 2,800 a day still, not a lot lower than its peak at this time last year and following the same trend line. Washington is also still at its highest death rate since this time last year. It's great that COVID is receding a bit, but it's still very bad, and this isn't the first time we've gone through this. Washington dropped mandates after cases went down earlier in the pandemic, too. Then what happened? Another surge. I think most people agree that the more stringent masking requirements can't go on forever, but you also have to wonder how many times we will stop taking our pills only to have the condition they were suppressing flare up again. Moving down to California, you may recall how we talked about them trying to get single-payer health insurance passed a year ago and failed amid criticisms that it lacked a funding solution and that a new funding bill was on the table this year well, those efforts appear to have also failed. Progressives in the state legislature were not able to get the support they needed for a successful vote, deciding not to hold a vote at all. This understandably has upset many, as holding a vote is literally the bare minimum required in a democracy and the primary feedback by which voters can judge their representatives. The bill's advocates said it would be harder to get more legislators on board if they had to go on record against it, but it's pretty bad to be denying voters that information. Yang also weighed in on this in a recent podcast episode, making it basically his new tagline that if the duopoly can't pass single-payer in California with a supermajority of Democrats in the state Congress, they won't be able to get it done anywhere. It's a pretty effective line, in my opinion. Hard to argue with. This would be a great argument for getting burners and other progressives on board with forwards election reforms. This is the most clear-cut example that their policy goals cannot be accomplished through the duopoly. You can find Yang's essay on that topic in the links. Quick shout-out for a couple of great educational videos from CGP Grey on RCV and plurality voting. They explain clearly and concisely why plurality voting inevitably leads to a duopoly via the spoiler effect and how RCV fixes that. Bookmark them and share them. And finally, the big Yang news, he has launched yet another organization. This one is called Lobby 3. Remember when we talked about his essay on the Web3 community lobbying Congress for sensible regulation? Well, apparently he's very involved in that, so involved that he made that lobbying organization, which he calls Lobby 3. It's a nonprofit whose primary goal is educating legislators on Web3 tech, 
and benevolent anti-poverty use cases for it, and convincing them to be smart and measured with regulation. Yang's essay on it, which is linked in the podcast description, also mentions pilot projects for some of those use cases, though does not specify what they would be, and talks about basically a shareholder voting system to direct the Web3 lobbyists' goals. Now, I'm not very well informed on the blockchain world. I have a beginner-level understanding of the value of decentralized ledgers, crypto, NFTs, their potential for secure digital voting, and sidestepping the barriers of traditional financing. Yang has spent months diving into this stuff and seems very bullish on Web3 as a solution to poverty. He said that directly in the most recent Forward podcast episode, I'm not sure I quite get that part, but again, I don't know that much. Suffice it to say, if you don't care much about blockchain tech, you won't care much about this, though we should all probably learn more about it. If you're a crypto Web3 blockchain fan, you will probably be very excited about this new venture. Either way, you can learn more at Lobby3.io. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the EV sales trend, the California single-payer fail, the educational voting videos, and Lobby 3. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the easy volunteer contacts below. If you need help, consult the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget to Yang Daily.